He came here to do three things. Drink beer, talk sports, and drink some more beer. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. I saw a woman here at training camp in a Steelers jersey walk out of a porta john with a half-smoked cigarette. She was wearing Crocs. I'd put her at about 60 years old, tattoos on her arms, and God knows where else. I love training camp. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we'd be doing radio up in here. I'm fired up to be back. couple of days not doing the show. I'm sorry for dropping Tim Benz on you. I know. Nothing I could do. Nothing I could do. I'm sure he treated you nice. Or, well, at least I hope he treated you nice. The reason I bring up the woman walking out of the Porta John smoking a cigarette is because I gotta ask, what's the most Yinzer thing you've ever seen? I will take all submissions, as I mentioned, on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. I am live at St. Vincent College in Lake Trobe. It was raining all day, so I'm up in the press box. I can give you play-by-play of Steelers practice if you want me to. I just don't think that I want to do that for you. We've got Brian LaMartina back in the studio, Tom behind the glass. we got Jerome, the intern, back there not doing updates today because, well, we fired him from those responsibilities. The Buccos, they wasted that Mets series. Oh, my God, what an opportunity there, and they just blew it. They did what they always did. Game one, they played a terrible baseball game, and look, sometimes that'll happen, but you can't let that happen in a pennant race. You need to give yourself a chance to win Every time you take the ball field, and the Pirates didn't give themselves a chance in that game. David Fries is throwing the ball wild. You have outfielders, Gregory Polanco not being able to field balls that go right past him. You've got pass balls, all kinds of issues, not being able to get hits with runners in scoring position. It just was not a good game by the Buccos. Then the last game, you give up one run, and it's on a double from Blake Flippin' Wheeler. It's the pitcher driving in a run, You lose, you get goose egg, that can't happen. So in a series where you're desperately wanting to take three out of four, you split two and two, and you found a way to beat Jacob DeGrom. If you beat DeGrom, then you've got to win that series. I thought if they lost a game, it would be the DeGrom game. You win that one, missed, missed opportunity. We've got Lance Lysowski joining us at 420 here on the Crowley Show. He of DKPittsburghSports.com. He covers the Buccos to tell us what they're thinking about doing at the trade deadline and if they can hold their spot in the wild card race despite having to battle through some injuries. Josh Bell now out. We know Corey Dickerson is out. What are the Pirates going to be able to do? Will they be able to hold strong? I have my doubts. This is what the Pirates front office is waiting for though, right? Your Four games back in the wild card at the trade deadline, which means you are, for all as Drome would say, our intern, intensive purposes in this race. And that's what they say all the time, the Pirates front office. We want to be in the race. We want to surprise like it's 2013. They haven't taken off these Pirates the way that that team did, obviously. 
But they are a decent baseball team. And if every year the expectation is to hover around 500 and then surprise, then when you're this close to a playoff spot, you have to pounce, don't you, in order to complete that surprise. I know that the Pirates don't get a lot of credit their front office, and a lot of the time I'm one of the people who is heaping the criticism upon them. But they have done a good enough job at keeping the Pirates relevant to the trade deadline in each of the last five seasons and beyond, really. Uh, since 2013, the Pirates have been relevant every single year at the trade deadline. Every single year. And that means something. But what it means is if maybe you'd have added a piece or two in the offseason, then you'd have been more in the thick of things than they are. This Pirates team, this Pirates organization, their philosophy is to keep the window open as long as possible by not getting rid of all the high pedigree prospects, by not overspending until you know that you can spend money on a player that is going to put you over the top. So when that's your organizational philosophy, this is the time to take advantage. This is when you really have to go out there and try to make a move. And I think they will make a move. It won't be a big one. Consider all the moves that the Pirates have made since 2011. In 2011, they added Derek Lee and Ryan Lovick. In 2012, they added Wandy Rodriguez, Travis Snyder, Gabby Sanchez, and Chad Qualls. Big overhaul there. In 2015, they added Aramis Ramirez, Joe Blanton, Joaquin Soria, J.A. Happ, and Michael Morris. Even bigger overhaul there. In 2016, they moved Mark Melanson to Washington, which stunk, but you got Felipe Vasquez back and Taylor Hearn. There was the shipping off of Francisco Liriano for Drew Hutchinson. They also acquired Ivan Nova and Antonio Bastardo in 2016. Last year, they sent Tony Watson and acquired Joaquin Benoit. The Pirates have made moves at the deadline. We just haven't seen them make sexy moves. And that's what winds up sticking in the craw of Pirates fans. They haven't gotten the big name. No, they haven't, but when they went out and they got Jay Happ, he was maybe the best pitcher in all of baseball the second half of the season. Uh, the Pirates won eight of his starts. He helped the Pirates make that charge to get from five games to eventually within two games of winning the division that year. Antonio Brown just caught a pass on a flea flicker, and he would have been knocked out around the five-yard line, but a little trickeration coming out from Randy Feetner here. Okay, back to baseball for a moment. We'll be going between baseball and football one hockey note, too, today on the show. Uh, he was excellent, was Jay Happ that year. The Pirates kind of accidentally lucked into that one, but it was a good move. Those are the things they're looking for. Don't overpay. Get a player, hopefully with years of control, and Jay Happ didn't, but get a player who is going to have high upside despite not costing a lot, which is why the name that you hear the Pirates knocking around on right now is Kevin Gossman. And this is a guy who was a high-pedigree player, college pitcher, who came in and was okay. He's got great stuff. Great stuff. His split-finger fastball is, if you look at some of the analytics, one of the more effective pitches in the game. Problem is, he's been inconsistent. And his first couple of seasons with the Orioles were okay, but after that, he's been less than okay. A mid-four ERA guy. And usually when the Pirates acquire one of those guys, you think, okay, his XFIP's pretty low, which means he's going to perform better than his ERA is indicating. Well, with 
Gosman, the XFIP has always been almost exactly the same as his ERA. So while there is upside with his strikeout potential, and his strikeout numbers have always been good, I don't look at him as the bounce-back candidate that the Pirates look at him as being. That being said, if you can move Nick Kingham out of the rotation for now and allow him to continue to develop, or you move him to the bullpen where you can strengthen that, I still like the move. You shouldn't have to spend a lot in terms of prospects to get a guy like Gossman. Uh, We hear the rumor is it's Cabrian Hayes, and he's a guy who played in a future game, but eh, I don't really mind giving rid of him. He's a decent prospect, but I don't mind it if you can get a pitcher with a little bit of upside. And I do think Gossman has some upside, just not as much as probably the Pirates do. The Buccos, though, they have to make moves because the Cubs, they got Cole Hamels. Pirates aren't going to win the division anyhow. But Arizona added Eduardo Escobar. He leads the league in doubles with 38. The Brewers got Joaquin Soria and Mike Moustakis. They get better than the Phillies get Isdrubal Cabrera. The Pirates aren't keeping up with the Joneses just yet. I expect that they will at least make a move, but whether or not they keep up with the Joneses, well, we'll have to find out. I doubt they do very much. We just saw James Conner bounce a run out to the outside, which he had no business doing. Just cut it up, get a few yards. He lost a couple. One of the things that has been a hot topic here around camp based on some of the injuries we've seen is how much contact is too much contact. And I wrote a blog about this on ESPNPGH.com. Just find the Adam Crowley tab there, and you can give it a look. I think the Steelers have to tackle. Sean Davis, T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, Vance McDonald, they did not finish practice yesterday. We all know Ramon Foster got hurt. Ramon Foster, though, would have gotten hurt had that been a contact drill or a non-contact drill because the linemen are still going to bump into each other. The pocket still has the ability to collapse, and he got rolled up on in that circumstance. That was going to happen in contact and non-contact. All the other guys, they get nicked up, yes, in contact drills, But how are you supposed to get better at football if you don't play football? Look, I'm a namby-pamby. I get it all the time on Twitter.com. Crowley, you're a social justice warrior. You're a big old liberal. You're a softy. You're a wuss. You're a baby. Sometimes they put all those words together, and they're quite vulgar. And, okay, maybe you're right. But there is a line. You can't protect football players from everything. You can try to make the game safer. You can limit the number of contact practices if you are the league. You can do all those things to try to prevent consistent head trauma. You could do all those things to try to prevent concussions. But as long as you're allowed to tackle, Mike Tomlin's going to tackle. And Mike Tomlin should. The Steelers were one of the worst teams in the league last year at tackling. They were either 31st or 32nd in the National Football League. It just depends on what outlet you're looking at. Either way... Not friggin' good enough. Do you think the Steelers get better at tackling if they're just hitting dummies out here? Do you think the Steelers get better at tackling if they're just playing rap football? No, they don't. And I also think that there's an argument to be made that if you don't tackle here at practice, you're going to get hurt more when you play regular season games, when you play preseason games. Kevin Colbert says it all the time. It's like boxing. If you go into a boxing ring and you haven't had a sparring partner, you're going to get the bejesus beaten out of you. 
Your brain's going to come through your nose. It ain't going to be good for it. If you have a sparring partner and you get in the fight, you kind of know what's going to happen to you. You know how to protect yourself. You know how to throw it back. Uh, if Jalen Samuels wants to learn how to be a proper NFL running back, a guy who didn't block once at NC State, he's going to have to block people in live contact. You have to, or you're not going to learn. It's like a teacher saying, okay, I want you to learn algebra, but I'm not going to teach you algebra. Instead, I'm just going to teach you basic adding and subtracting. It doesn't make sense. And for all the people out there who want to make football safer, you can, but only to an extent. I say it all the time. You can't take football out of football. And I'm a guy who doesn't want to see anybody get hurt. Ross Cockrell, former Steeler, now current Carolina Panther, broke his leg today on the field and was screaming, I broke my leg, I broke my leg, I broke my leg. And they carted him off, and it's a horrific scene, and he's a tremendous human being, one of my favorite players I've ever covered. He was always thoughtful. He was always kind. He always had time for you. And you don't want to see those things. Ramon Foster, same thing. But I think they would agree that if you want to get better at playing the game of football, the only way to do that is to play the game of football. I mean, are you supposed to learn how to hit in baseball only facing a pitching machine? Where you know where the ball's coming out of every time and you know how fast it is because you set the damn pitch speed? No, you need to be able to face live pitching. Uh, you need to practice your craft to get better at your craft, and you need to practice your craft so you don't get hurt doing your craft. Uh, there are a lot of things to criticize Mike Tomlin about. One of the things you absolutely can't is the contact that he brings to practice. The Detroit Lions were here a couple of years ago in one of those joint practices, and when I say joint practices, no, I don't mean Martavis Bryan and LeGarrette Blunt and Le'Veon Bell. Joint practice meaning two practices going on together with a different team. And their coach didn't have them tackling at all in training camp, apart from goal line from time to time. That was it. One period of goal line every couple of practices, and then they were tackling in the preseason games. Uh, what good does that do? I guess that's why the Lions are the Lions and why the Steelers are contending for championships. We're going to talk to Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette coming up at 5 o'clock today about training camp and what he's learned so far. Matt Williamson at 540 to talk about the Steelers' offensive philosophy without Todd Haley. That's something I'll get into in the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined at 520. But coming up next, we stick with baseball. Lance Lizowski of DKPittsburghSports.com joins the program. What will the Pirates do at the deadline? It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You have the Samsung Galaxy S9. You are holding the fastest smartphone in your hands. It's the fastest smartphone in your house, in your workplace, in your city. Which means you can scroll faster, load faster, stream faster, watch faster, and search faster. All because you have the Samsung Galaxy S9. The fastest smartphone ever. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligent data for February to April 2018, comparing mean download speeds, weighted averages on major nationwide carriers, 4G LTE network results. Tom, I know I'm not out there, so I, I don't know what you're doing, but I would suggest that during the next break, if you could just take Jerome into the bathroom and just dunk his head in the toilet. I already did it. Was that you, Tom? No, that was Brian. I just did it uh, real quick. Oh, you um, took care of it. Yeah, I did. I did that during the uh, segment, actually. Oh, good. Um, funny enough, he liked it. He came up all smiles. <laughs> 
Listeners love Adam Crowley. Just between you and me, I believe you're fat, ugly, dumb, and gutless. Just personal opinion. The Adam Crowley Show. When you're done with your program, we can discuss this out in the parking lot. I mean, you're, you're a tough guy. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Plenty of Steelers talk today on the program as I'm live at St. Vincent College in Latro, but I'm tired of them. Uh, you know, it's all I've done is talk Steelers for the last couple of days. I joke, I kid, we've got a full hour of Steelers talk coming your way from 5 o'clock until 6 here on the Crowley Show. But right now, the Buckos in the midst of a pennant race? Okay, I can't even say it that way, but we'll see what they do with the deadline, then maybe they will be. Joining us now to discuss is Lance Lysowski from DKPittsburghSports.com. Lance, thanks so much for taking time today. Always a pleasure, Adam. You say that as though it's not, though. It sounds fairly sarcastic. It is. No, uh, wholeheartedly, you are the best to go on. The questions are great. I think we always have some great dialogue. It's a good time, honestly. Yeah, I don't buy it at all. Lance Lysowski yeah, joining us here. DK Pittsburgh Sports Talk. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you on, too, Lance. Uh, Lance, will the Pirates do what they've always done at the deadline of late since really 2011? Not by sexy, but by anyhow. I think that that's the route they'll go. The one thing that stood out, Neil Huntington talked to reporters before the game on Sunday, is that they're not going to trade any of their veterans. What they've done the last couple of years is they traded some expiring contracts, and then also added, you know, the one move in 16 is where they got rid of Melanson and added a Von Nova, who was actually a rental at the time. It looks like they're just going to buy. So are they going to go out and get Chris Archer? I think they're kicking the tires, to use a phrase, uh, oh. on even, you know, the more high-profile guys. But I don't think they're going to want to pay the price tag, which, of course, would include someone like Mitch Keller, Austin Meadows, the top prospects, of course. I can see them making... More minor move, maybe even Kevin Gosman from the Orioles or some relief help. There's a lot of relievers out there, so the, the price tag shouldn't be too high in regard to that. When I look at Kevin Gosman, he looks like a player who's never really found his potential, and the Pirates love those kind of guys because they are usually easy to acquire without having to spend a lot of prospects or money. Uh, but at the same time, when I look at numbers like XFIP, numbers that do... Uh, help predict future performance, they're kind of in line with his ERA. So a guy like Gossman, does he come in and, and automatically upgrade this baseball team? That's the question. The, the one thing that is attractive to the Pirates about a guy like Gossman is he's on he's under contractual control beyond this year. They don't like Reynolds. They don't want Reynolds. And the one thing about getting a pitcher like Gossman at the age he is, who's had success in the past, under control through next year, is it gives you more time that, hey, if it doesn't work out this year, you can still hand him over to race series and see if things can work out next year. There's just not a whole lot of guys on the market in terms of the Kevin Gossman's runner contract, and a lot of teams aren't really motivated to get rid of a pitcher under control because just the prices in free agency, as much right. as the market was weird, even Jake Arrieta you know, got that humongous contract, and it looks like those sort of price tags aren't going anywhere. Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, what do you think the biggest need for this team is? Is it bullpen arm, starter, or now that they are injured at first base and in the outfield, do they kick the tires on a guy like that who might help uh, in the short term and then maybe later on on the bench? Well, I think they should upgrade the rotation. I just don't know, again, if, it, if they're willing to pay the price tag. <laughs> right. I would go after Zach Wheeler, the pitcher who just dominated them yesterday at PNC Park. You know, uh, Of course, again, under control through next year. 
having a career year and, and has been good in the past. So it's not like this is just a complete, you know, blip on the radar. Somebody like that, you know, I know Jacob DeGrom's not available, but a really top of the rotation guy I might look at Chris Archer if, if I were for Neil Huntington and you might actually want to pay the price tag and maybe part with Austin Meadows and try to get Corey Dickerson under contract long term. That's an actual upgrade. I don't know if yes. Kevin Gossman or one of those lower-level starters would be any better than Avon Nova or even Nick Kingham at this point. And bullpen help if you can find it, because it looks like right now Clint Hurdle still doesn't entirely trust Stephen Brault, Tyler Glass now, and right now even Alex McCray's in the bullpen with meaningful innings. They need another guy they can turn to. You know, with you know a one-run game, you can't always try to Edgar Santana or Kyle Crick. And Richard Rodriguez is his control has been a complete mess you know as of late too so they need to err on the side of caution add to that group aside from the last start by kingham the starters have been great of late uh, i think maybe that would give the pirates pause given that and the market that you just described yeah of course i mean it, it, you, you want to upgrade and it looks like i know it, everybody wants them to make a trade i know the fans want them to make a trade and even the players want them to to a certain extent but to do so, it, it needs to be an upgrade. And, you know, if you're just going to get the same results out of, you know, Kevin Gosman as you would from Nick Kingham or Yvonne Nova, what's the point? You know, I don't think the, the issue is taking on salary. As much as, you know, Bob Nutting and everybody in the front office has earned that reputation of perhaps being a little cheap, you know, they're going to clear a lot of salary off the books, you know, in free agency this year. Jory Mercer is going to be gone. They could very well buy out Josh Harrison and David Free. So, there's going to be money to spend. It's just whether or not, okay, if you're going to trade prospects, you better get something that's actually going to help you win down the stretch because this isn't going to be easy. I mean, the, the Cubs and the Brewers got significantly better over the last couple weeks, and that is something you have to take under, under consideration. Lance Lysowski joining us here on the Crowley Show. How bad is it for Bell? Uh, it, it still looks like it's a little early to determine that. Oblique injuries always are a little iffy. I mean, Marte came back in the minimum and was pretty slow when he did return. It took him some time to to really overcome that injury. Again, this is something they should be concerned about because I know David Fries can step in there right now, but you've seen the drop-off when the bench players have been in there for the most part, whether it was Wednesday in Cleveland, Marte got hurt and Dickerson was out, or, hey, yesterday against Zach Wheeler. Um, adding a bench that wouldn't be a terrible idea right now because – Corey Dickerson's never dealt with a hamstring injury in the past, and let's not forget, he's also in the DL. He's supposed to be back on Saturday against the Cardinals, but you never know. And, you know, again, bench fats, minor bullpen pieces, those are very, you know, those are small commodities that wouldn't cost you an arm and a leg to, to get. So if you're not going to get that top-of-the-rotation starter, I still think there are ways to add to make this club better. Lance, what are you hearing on Dickerson? It seems like he he was pushing to play. He wanted to play just the way that he does play, which is pretty much all out. And the relentless player is the way he described himself, that they're going to err on the side of caution with us, which I don't blame them. His numbers in the second half in the last couple of years, last year in particular, weren't great. Uh, and injury was part of that. You know, he kind of broken down over the season because he wasn't able to do any weightlifting in the previous offseason. They should just take it easy with him. I mean, this is an opportunity to give Austin Meadows some at-bats. They've got a couple of lefties coming up against the Cubs, Cole Hamels and uh, John Lester they're going to face. So you can throw Jordan Luplo out there, give him some reps. It's mm-hmm. Bell that I would be more concerned about at the moment. Now, to go back on that with Bell, uh, you mentioned Freeze at first base. What do you think the status is on Cervelli moving the first? It doesn't look like it's something they're going to consider. Uh, he's a light, he would be a light-hitting first baseman. There's really not a whole lot of upside there. 
they might actually, you know, better off putting Jose Osuna over there just because the defense is really solid. There's always the upside against left-handed pitching. I don't know. It seems like they really want to try to make Cervelli work behind the plate. I mean, given he, he is your highest paid player and all of his value is really tied up in to the work he does behind the plate. So they're going to ride that out and see what they can get. But Elias Diaz is playing so well. I don't know how much you can really take him out of the lineup. And I don't know if Quinn Hurdle is so sure of what the plan is either. Can Marte and Polanco carry this team if it's right. n- no bell and it's uh, no Dickerson? Can the two of them keep the Pirates in this thing? They're going to need to. I mean, this is the best baseball Polanco's played since, what, the first couple of weeks he was up in the bigs? I mean, this is a really nice stretch here. Um, and Marte, again, even I know that what his hitting streak ended on Saturday, but he's still hitting the ball really well. I had a hit yesterday, so... Those two are going to make this team go, and you know, with with those other guys out, I don't know how long they can go <laughs> with this with this run. You're kind of waiting for Polanco to get into one of those slumps because he always does. But those are the two that are kind of driving the bus right now because they're not getting really much of anything from Jordy Mercer, Josh Harrison, and even Colin Moran to extend, even though he's had a couple of big hits the last couple of days. Not to be that guy with the arbitrary endpoints, but Pirates have now won just two of their last five baseball games. Well, at the same time, Arizona has started to really pick it up, and Milwaukee started to pick it up. Plus, they've both made some moves. I just don't think the Pirates can stay in this, and I think that it is right now kind of a danger zone for this baseball team. When you're four games back, you go on a two-game losing streak, you can be six back. And at that point, you're really out of the whole darn thing. Yeah, I don't envy Neil Huntington. He's in a, he's in a tough spot because I know there is external pressure to make a move, but is one player going to put you ahead of even the Brewers at this point, you know, let alone the Cubs? And you look at the wild card. The Diamondbacks are a very good baseball team. There's some real teams in this race right now that I think have a, a more talent than the Diamondbacks do. Maybe not more talent, but definitely more depth. Mm-hmm. So if, if the Pirates are going to do it, if, they, if they're really going to make the push, I don't think one bullpen arm can really do it. They're going to have to to get another starting pitcher, you know, add another bullpen piece and maybe another bench bat. Now, are they willing to sacrifice maybe a Mitch Keller for that? I just don't think so, given where their young players are at right now, their development curve. It's not only Josh Bell was hitting for power before the injury. Colin Moran stole a rookie. So they might think that the best is yet to come and maybe look towards next year rather than adding now. All right, let me get your percentages here, Lance. It's not a very nice thing to do, but I'm going to do it to you anyhow. Uh, The percentages that the Pirates get a guy like a Gossman uh, and a a reliever that can add some depth uh, as opposed to a guy with years of control like who's also a bigger name like a Chris Archer. I would say that their their odds of getting that reliever or maybe, you know, four or five starting pitcher – would be, let's put it at 70%, Adam. And I think the whole Archer deal, 5 maybe 10% oh. generous. And I think the rest is them just standing pat, not doing anything. Because let's not forget that a lot of moves do happen in August. I know the non-waiver deadline is that sexy date everybody likes to look to. But Neil Huntington does have a history of making moves in August. And it seems like it's become more popular in recent years that teams are, are going out and, and waiting through the deadline to, to make those, those moves uh, in the final month. Well, and the other thing that's interesting about that, at least to me, is it seems like the deadline's pushed back this year. It, it just in, in terms of the season, with the All-Star break, you come out of the break, and it was only 10 games, and now it's under yep. 60 games, and it just, whoever you bring in, I mean, 
how much are they really going to be able to help you? How many games can they add to your win column if there's 58 games to go? So you have to have a lot of confidence in the core that you already have. I know that Neil Huntington has that, but the timing of the Dickerson and Bell injuries throws kind of a wrench in that plan. Uh, I, I would just be very cautious when when you look at adding to that rotation because the market's not very great this year in terms of getting a guy midseason. And if if I were him, I would add a bullpen piece like Jared Hughes, who has a career high sixty over sixty percent ground ball rate for the Reds right now, who's under control for next year at a very low cost. And I would add a bench bat because then that way you don't have to you know keep bouncing Austin Meadows, Jordan Luplo, or Adam Frazier as that you know backup outfielder. You can get somebody who is a little bit more experienced in that role because you know what injuries happen. They've been pretty lucky yeah. in that regard this year. There haven't been any terribly serious ones other than Cervelli's concussion issue. So uh, prepare yourself for the second half, and then, hey, uh, if you think next year is a better opportunity, which I'm starting to think that's what Neil Huntington thinks, then you go for it then. Lance, the Pirates' schedule gets really tough, but it's also a bunch of the teams that they're chasing or lumped in with in the wild card in the division, so good thing or bad thing? Um, I think it's a bit of both, and that, that that also kind of plays into the fact that they might wait. I mean, if, if they perform really poorly against the Cubs and the Cardinals this week at home, then you don't do anything. And then maybe you unload Mercer and Harrison in August, you know, or, or David Freeze as well. Von Nova try to pass them through waivers then make a trade. It, it's a good thing now because I guess you can gauge where you're at. Neil Huntington's going to know at the end of the week, okay, well, we closed this amount of ground. We're in good shape. Or if the Pirates have a really terrible week, they fall out of it, then you have a pretty clear picture what the final two months are. Right. Uh, uh, it's, it's just, a, I guess, one of those natural things in baseball. I mean, they fared much better on the road against the Reds and the Indians than I or pretty probably anybody outside of that organization expected. So who knows? Lance, really good stuff, man. Appreciate the time and look forward to your reporting over the next couple of days with the deadline here. Always a pleasure, Adam. Hey, have fun down on Latrobe. I miss it this year. Yeah, man. Are you are you gonna make any stops by? Have they got you working any double shifts? <laughs> no, no. All baseball for me this year. No, it's fun. Though. I'm curious to see what happens next 24 hours, and then uh, we get to Denver next week. So, have fun. Uh, smoke some pot. <laughs> hey, let's chat from there. All right, there he goes. That's Lance. All right, Adam. DKPittsburghSports.com. We'll have him on at 4:20 next week, and it'll be a completely different interview. Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals, is going to be paid $5.17 million a season. That's basically what Hornquist is making. Horny's hard-nosed. He's a sandpaper player. He scored 29 goals this last season. He's helped the Penguins win a couple of Stanley Cups. Wilson is a hard-nosed sandpaper player who scored 35 goals in his career. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm not saying he's not valuable. Is he $5.17 million valuable? Yeah, I don't think so. In fact, I know he's not. 35 goals, $5 million a year? That's how you don't win back-to-back championships. That's how you get hamstrung against the cap. And then whenever you're paying T.J. Oshie for 15 years. All right, seven more years after this. You're paying him for the backside of his career, and you're paying Tom Wilson $5 million, which you could be spending on a player who is more useful than a Tom Wilson. Coming up next, the Pirates are in the danger zone. I'll explain why. You're listening to The Crowley Show. 
He's Pittsburgh born and we like him that way. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Cinderella boy. On 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. Pirates are in the danger zone right now. They're four games back in the wild card race. If you lose a couple, you're out of this thing. You fall to six back, and you can kiss it goodbye. And they've got a tough schedule in August. Three against the Cubs, three against St. Louis, three against the Rockies. It's a good opportunity, but it's also going to get tough. While the Reds are playing good baseball, they're still the Reds. It's easy to have your way with them. It should have been easy to have your way with the Mets, but they didn't. Two and two against that excuse for a ball club, and now you're playing the Cubs, the Braves, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and then the Braves again. The Twins and the Giants get thrown in there. The Giants are about as good as the Pirates, so you can't even chalk that up in a win column. The Pirates will have a good chance to make the playoffs if they beat the teams that they're chasing. The problem is the teams they're chasing are all better than them. They're good baseball teams. This month, obviously, and I'm breaking no news here, is going to make or break the season. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. You can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley where I pose this question. Uh, I saw a woman come out of a porta john here at training camp with a cigarette lit in her mouth, walking out with some Crocs on. So the question for the show is, what's the most yinzer thing that you've ever seen? The most yinzer thing that I've ever seen is at Heinz Field. My father and I were walking out of a Steelers regular season game. It was against the Baltimore Ravens. I was young. I was 11 or 12, and I saw Santa P himself. That's right. Santa P. Himself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a problem. Daddy, why Santa peeing himself? Well, Adam, Santa had a little too much eggnog. Oh, okay. I bought it. I mean, I believed in Santa Claus until I was in eighth in eighth grade. So uh, it was it was shocking to me. That was the most interesting thing I've ever seen. A guy dresses up at Santa as Santa Claus to go to a Steelers game in December, and he just winds up getting so housed that he urinates. Will Graves, our buddy from the Associated Press, he tweeted this in at underscore Adam Crowley. In front of PPG a couple of years ago, I saw Albie, that's Albie Oxenrader, Channel 11, and Edgar Snyder, whom we all know, bro hug, then do a selfie. <laughs> On the day that Bro- Roethlisberger got married in 2011, he said, I'd been here like a week, talked to fans in a RAV4 parked down the street wearing Steelers jerseys, watching cars come in and out of church. Steelers <laughs> fans were tailgating Ben Roethlisberger's wedding. Oh, no. That's pretty. That's pretty badass. That's that's worse than the training camp crowd, whom I love. I love these people. I mean, salt of the earth. That's I mean, super fans, Crowley. They can they, hear, they just they really care. They do care. I mean, you're going to go to Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger's wedding, and you're going to oh, that's Heath Miller right there. Oh, there's Ramon Foster. Oh, there's Max Starks. I mean, what a bunch of dorks. That's a whole day out of it. You can follow from the chapel, then you can head on over to the reception and tailgate out there. That's like multiple tailgate day. There's a Wendy's on the North Shore that's not far at all from Heinz Field. It's up by CCAC. And there is a Pope, a Steelers Pope, who is there every single Sunday wearing the full Pope attire. And if you get baptized, and you can, he just 
funnels beer down your throat. And that's pretty darn yinzer. Yeah, that's 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 yinzer. Hey man, when I first got here, like this is funny. I'm here like roughly a week, and I'm driving around. I'm getting oriented to the place. And so I go by Green Tree Park, and I'm just driving by. I'm like, oh, that's a cool, nice set of fields and stuff. It's got some Little League going on. Everything's looking real cool. I see a family, like, carting their way to the field from the parking lot. And it's a mom. She's carrying a little kid. And then you got the dad, and he's he's rolling a cooler behind him, like a big Coleman on wheels. <laughs> well, here's the best part. On top of the cooler, riding it, like, like it was some kind of, like, fun horse at an amusement park, was his little, like, kid like maybe five or six like he's riding this cooler like it's the best ride in the world and i was just like ah okay now i get what it is <laughs> That's... couldn't get the kids to kennywood is the problem yeah no kennywood was out of reach that would have been a long drag of that thing he would have been having to drag that for miles but he was fine at the ballpark and i just wondered to this day how many beers that kid had that day <laughs> andrew tweets at underscore adam crowley kennywood everyone in the entire park and this is even before the Steel Curtain ride was built. Yet, Kennywood can be fairly trashy. And you know how you can really see the yinzerish of the yinzers at Kennywood? Is the people that have their clothes soaked because they've been on the Pittsburgh plunge like 18 times in a row. And they're like, hey, Dad, we're getting down a plunge one more time. You tell the kids to stay down a potato patch for about another hour and a half, all right? Me and Ron are going to go on a couple more runs. And they're just like soaked from head to toe. For the whole day they're there. You ever see the families that are matching because they don't want to get lost from one another? You ever see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was always my family. Color-coded families? Exactly. My family always did that. All right, we're all wearing orange today so that we don't get separated. Meanwhile, half the people are doing the same thing. It's just a sea of orange so no one gets separated from their folks. Then mommy and daddy wind home taking home jimmy instead of crowley well see see crowley i think orange is a bad choice if you're a true yins or you go black and gold but then you run into the obvious problem but everybody's in black and gold no one can find anyone i love if you go to cedar point the amount of steelers jerseys you see <laughs> because everyone's trying to show off their team pride they're trying to go out there in ohio and say uh Bengals suck brands suck use my stillers and you just you just wind up looking like a douche. In fact, I wore a James Harrison jersey to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, and I had a mullet at the time, so I'm, I'd say that that was fairly or too. Yeah, that's a little that, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Joey tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. There was a here we go Steelers chant at a funeral I attended. Uh, what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Your uncle's dead. Here we go Steelers. Here we go. Hey, roll that cooler over here. We're singing. <laughs> Give me an icy light. <laughs> the only cold one there is in the casket. Oh! <laughs> Alex tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. The people holding a vigil outside Mercy Hospital after Roethlisberger's motorcycle accident <laughs> with grills. They were tailgating at the hospital. I remember that. That was awesome. That was all. That was the only thing that was on the news is Ben Roethlisberger slamming into that car and Ben going, "Oh yeah, I almost died. I was an inch from dying." And all the people outside Mercy Hospital. I have a. I had a buddy. Uh, in fact, he's partly the reason I got this job. Uh, he's a doctor who is really good friends with my family and and me in turn. And he was Joe Bendel's doctor, the guy who did this show before David Todd did this show, and. We were trying to get all the medical records from him, and he wouldn't give them, because that's HIPAA violation. <laughs> he ain't that guy. This one from Matt, a guy in a Lima Swede jersey yelling at his kids in the Dollar Tree saying, if you don't calm down, we ain't getting nothing for your mother. 
for the kids. <laughs> for the mom. <laughs> oh, FYI, we've got Ray Fittipaldo joining us at 5 o'clock here on the Crowley Show. We will be breaking down Steelers camp because that is what the Yinders want. In fact, the Yinders probably don't want us talking about them being Yinders. They want me to describe the punt drill that's going on in front of me. I will not do it. I, I think they're kind of gripped right now, and they're really into this because they heard Kennywood. <laughs> yes. Man, these are some great tweets, though. Scott says, my dad, when I was a kid, blasting Dawny Iris on cassette tape <laughs> while pre-gaming at like 8 a.m. talking about how the Stillers were going to lose because Bubby Brister was a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get back to those throughout the program. You can tweet them, as I said, at underscore Adam Crowley. And if you want to do the accent, you give us a call at 412-922-2874. One of the things that became the big talking point throughout the country this weekend was Braves announcer Joe Simpson ripping on the Dodgers for their attire in batting practice. And I got to get my take in on this. First, let's let you hear the audio. You know that I grew up in the Dodger organization and certainly was taught how to play professional baseball and do things the right way. I want you to look at some things that were going on today in batting practice here with the Dodgers. What do you see? T-shirts. You see Chase Utley with no socks and pants up over his knees. T-shirts. This was prevalent with their whole team. And I think about... Play, uh, fans that come to SunTrust Park who are Dodgers fans and want to see their players. They had no idea who any of, any of them were. Nobody had any kind of uniform or batting practice shirt on with their name on their jersey. They looked very unprofessional. Uh, and I think I can say this because I know what the Dodger organization was all about. There's the bunt. It is perfect. But if I were a Dodger fan, I'd be embarrassed. And I don't know how Major League Baseball allows such attire when the gates are open and fans are watching. Uh, Chase Utley, I've had nothing but respect for him his whole career. I think he's a great player. I thought he always played the game the right way. That was an embarrassment what he had on today during batting practice. Yeah, when you think of all the merchandising that Major League Baseball does with their practice uniforms and the batting practice jerseys, I'm with you. Why not? It's called a uniform for a reason. Oh, my God. It is the most curmudgeonly thing that I've heard in my entire life in broadcasting and just in general. Uh, since I was the young man going to Steelers games watching Santa P himself, I have not heard anything else that makes an individual sound older than what Joe Simpson was just saying there. He's also the kind of guy who you know, you know who he voted for, right? You know <laughs> what kind of guy he is, right? You know he's the kind of dude who says, you're a snowflake, you're a snowflake, the world's so easily offended. Meanwhile, this guy's offended because a guy, a batting practice player, isn't wearing a uniform. Come on. Now, that being said, I said my piece. A lot of people have said their pieces on Twitter. There is a point where you take it too far, though. Uh, there is a point where you criticize someone too much. And this guy, this Joe Simpson guy, yes, old, curmudgeon, old man yelling and staring at clouds. Yeah, I understand all that. He's getting treated like he's Osama freaking Bin Laden. 
I mean, can we cut this guy a break for a second? Like, I'll rant on him for 35 seconds. I don't have any more energy than that. I, I can't get that mad about a guy getting that mad about a uniform. Does that make me worse than him? Does it make me better than him? If I'm the guy who gets mad at him, if I'm the guy who gets offended by him being offended, then isn't that me just being offended to get offended, which is kind of what his offense was? I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't think we should crush this guy as much as he's getting killed. It's, it's nothing to get upset over, but what it is, Crowley's, it's this. This is the problem with baseball, these unwritten morality that, that just permeates the game, and, and these guys who make it holier than now, when in essence it's a game. We play the game, and people wear T-shirts, so what? Maybe if he would have thrown on a T-shirt during batting practice, he might have hit more than nine home runs in his career. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Might have been a little looser behind the plate, you know? Oh, man. Now now you're killing him, What? Too. I didn't kill him. That was a fact. I was just threw that out there. What? Okay. You're, you know, you, you are right. That is a fact. I'm, out, just... I'm outraged. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. Uh, I hate you. You. Uh, how dare you talk about people wearing T-shirts? Yeah, I do, th- I do think that there's something to be said about that. Uh, I, there are enough baseball men who have been around the game for long enough that do believe things like that. He's not the problem, but the collection of all the Joe Simpsons of the world, that does become a problem for baseball. I'm going to give him a pass, though. I mean, how long has he got left on this earth? How old's that guy? Oh, I have no idea. Obviously in his 90s with a take like that, but hey, I'm not outraged. Coming up next, we got Ray Fittipaldo from the Post-Gazette. We'll flip from baseball to Steelers training camp, everything that he's seen thus far. I'll give you my thoughts at 520. It's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. It's the Crowley Show.